Good evening, America, and good afternoon, Australia. You're back on Radio Tony, live with your host, Tony Lontis, and this is the Everyday Business Show. I'm really excited to have a previous show guest back on the show today. But before I introduce you to you, introduce her to you all, just a reminder, if you're listening on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube and Twitch, Payo is waiting online to send you any links that you require and answer your questions as best he can while Bryony and I are talking. Uh, just a reminder that on RadioTony.com, you will find all the information and the links as well. So if you're listening to this while driving, just pop onto RadioTony.com and look under my guests and you will find information about Bryony and the team that we're going to talk to today. Um, previously, we've spoken to Bryony and it was a great pleasure to be with her at the start of her journey. Bryony Shigeg is HCI Founder, Director and Secretary. Uh, Bryony used her time as a police officer over 15 years of lived experience in dealing with trauma and challenges to well-being. So she developed an app in combination with Ben Fink, Danny Connery and Joseph Caesar, and they founded HCI Insights, an Australian-developed and owned company based in South Australia. Their mission is to empower users and organisations to positively and actively manage well-being for improved ability to meet positive individual and organisational goals. Um, as I, we've had Bryony on the show before, we're going to briefly go over some of the things that we uh, covered in the first show. And first of all, I thought we'd start by asking Bryony about the Frank app, which is what we're going to be talking today. And um, Bryony, I want to hand over to you to talk about you and the team and the development of the Frank app. Excellent. Thank you so much for that introduction, Tony. That was um, really humbling. It's awesome. It's great to be back on your show. So thank you for having me back again. Um, so Absolute what, pleasure. <laughs> we'll get straight into it. So um, why we developed yes. Frank. Basically, we want to set the standard of mental well-being. We want to be a global um, standard setter and also set the standard for social responsibility with tech organisations as well and really, really push a yes. positive well-being impact on the world. I deal with mental health every day. I, I deal with a, a wide range of it, so from the mild through to um, your worst nightmares and I won't go into too much uh, graphic detail about what I've seen yes. in because I don't want those images in my head so I certainly don't want to put them in other people's heads um, but that's yeah. what that's what I'm doing it for is because of what I see every day I see your worst nightmares every day and I want to prevent that happening to you and your family and that's why that's yeah. why we're here that's what drove me to policing in the first place it's and in policing yes. I've frustrated by the constraints because even when you're a proactive police officer you're still reactive in a lot of sense so this was a way to fulfill my frustration basically <laughs> and try and have that yeah in that, that difference um and dealing with my own mental health challenges because obviously in policing you are at higher risk of developing mental illness um and yeah. I do PTSD so I found a lot of what worked on the market didn't work for me um, I'm not really a big survey yep. person and I don't have time I'm really time poor even yes. more time poor now that I've got a start up and a baby but yep. you know a lot of the a lot of the well-being apps on the market are quite time consuming and you've got to input a lot of data so I wanted a, an alternative solution to that a, a product that was really quite different from what was currently available and that's why Frank is um, really submissive and sort of sits in the background and, you know, we're sort of tracking your language rather than your, like a steps, like a fitness tracker. Yes, would. rather than, yeah. Yeah, so you've got Rather that than you having to put that, rather than you having to put data in, it's capturing it for you, isn't it? Which Absolutely. makes it pretty unique. Yeah, definitely. Um, we believe so anyway. So it's, um, and, and when you're not well, to ask someone to fill yeah. out space continuously and to journal, you know, you're struggling just to get through normal, basic day-to-day -day life things. Having this huge right. 
or erroneous additional tasks then placed on your shoulders, for me it was it was too much. Too much. Yeah. Just wanted to make it simpler, more streamlined. Um, having said that, it's a very complicated, sophisticated product in the background. <laughs> Well, it's taken a little while to get it this far, hasn't it, Brittany? It's it been a, in a journey for you, yeah. It and we def- promised listeners when we first talked about Frankat, we'd go on to talk about um, the the ongoing developments. But before we do that, um, one of the big considerations when you were developing the app was around privacy. Can you tell the audience how Frank protects your individual privacy and information? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously because we are talking about harvesting um, natural language through keyboard use on a personal device, that's really subjective to people's very personal information. Um, so there is yeah. an ability to for the user to turn the keyboard on and off if they don't feel confident in the product. Um, that's, that's part of providing evidence and proof that we are looking after people. So you can turn it off. Um, but through the whole design process, um, the if you ask the team, they'll tell you how sick they are of hearing me harp on about how we're protecting our users, how how have we protected this aspect, how have we protected that aspect of the design. So we've adopted a, a privacy by design approach, which is a, a thing in, yeah. in the world um, because it's so important. This, the whole success behind this business will be reliant on consumer trust and integrity. Yeah. So... It's, it's pinnacle, it, it, making sure that people's privacy is preserved and we've done everything we can in our ability. Now, there's obviously going to be um, potential for yes. a breach here and there, but at least we can hold our hands over our hearts and say we have done everything we can within our knowledge and ability to protect our users um, because yeah. at the end of the day, if we don't protect them and people's privacy is breached, that's yes. going to ruin the reputation of the company, which is going to send the company bankrupt, essentially. So yeah. it's it's so important. Um, there's, there is no success of the company without it. Yeah. Ronnie, you've tested this product on yourself. So you've used it, haven't you? You understand how it works intimately because you're the founder, one of the founding uh, developers or it's it sprung from your imagination originally, didn't it? It was a thought in your mind that is now an actual product that you've used and you're obviously really passionate about it. What are some of the outcomes that you'd like to see for individuals and organisations that use the Frank app going forward? Um, I want to set some realistic expectations because one of our points of yes. another point of difference is we're actually having Frank clinically tested and validated. So um, people know, but 93 to 97% of wellbeing applications that are available on the market actually have no clinical testing behind them. So that's um, something. Really? That yeah. Abs- yeah. There's a, I can't remember the name of the research paper, but there was a research paper on it and 93 to 97% haven't been clinically tested. So that's another point of difference and part of us building trust with our users. So where because we are doing clinical testing, um, here's the progression of what I want to see happen. Um, so yes. to start off with, I want it to be something that users find useful. As simple as that, just useful, that it's giving them useful feedback, that it's taking their mood and emotion and it's putting it in a tangible format in front of them and that that, is useful and the same thing for organisations, that it's useful. The next Mm -hmm. step, once we've got the clinical testing and we know that it's useful and we've got that evidence-based approach, the next step is that it makes a positive improvement or more importantly, empowers the users to make a positive improvement in their life and managing their wellbeing. Once we've got the clinical testing to back those claims up, the next step is can we start looking at preventing um, serious disease or from yes. people falling into the severe yes. category of mental illness range? And then once that's clinically tested, the, the long-term ambition is that we want it to save lives and that we want to improve global happiness. Um, so we know that organisations yeah. play a key role in 
um, supporting individuals with with managing their well-being and COVID's really kind of brought a lot of this research that already existed up to the surface of um, just how important organisations are in that role with flexible work arrangements. A lot of people are working from home with COVID. Now that life's sort of, well, in Australia, life's sort of starting to go back to normal a little bit, but a lot of people are still (laughs) engaged in those flexible work arrangements and still doing a lot of work from home. I think um, COVID's been a, a horrible thing for the world but there's been some really positive things yes. out of it and I think it's really driven a lot of change and innovation um you know it's a terrible thing but it provides a lot of opportunity so we can get caught up in the mm. dark side of it or we can look at the opportunity that that COVID's presented but with new opportunity comes new challenges um so that's where I see yeah. Frank again sort of stepping in and hopefully making a difference there so you can actually measure how these things are starting to impact you and measure those changes and tweak it so you know you can have the best program in the world in mind that's worked great for 100 other people but it might not work for you this will hopefully give you a way of measuring it and as you tweak it and make adjustments to it then hopefully you see an improvement hopefully frank helps people with yeah with that so, Bryony, um, you're partway through clinical trials currently. Is that my correct understanding? Yeah, so our first pilot um, has, we've submitted our data to um, the Military and Emergency Services Health Australia, known as MESHA, which is formally known as the Road Pilot. Yeah, and they're, they're part of the Hospital Research Foundation as well. So we've submitted some data to, the, to them and they've submitted some preliminary results, which have been really positive um now yeah so without going too much into it um yeah the positive results that we've got is now taking that and working out how we can use those results to basically make sure that we're using our machine learning algorithms and in the best possible way how how can we best optimize on these results what is it doing really well what is it not doing so well because we knew that there were going to be some good things coming out of the pilot yeah. we knew there would be some bad things coming out of the pilot. If we knew it was perfect, we wouldn't have to pilot it. So, yeah, um, yeah it's just taking what we now know and progressing the next mm-hmm. step. How can we develop it? How can we enhance it? How can we push it down that path? Um, what are the, some things that we cut away? What are some of the things that we improve? So that's where we're currently sitting at the moment. Um, we're also reframing some of the raw data to give to the researchers uh-huh. as well, just to give a bit of clarity around some areas that have been a little bit vague um, to see whether or mm-hmm. not we actually need more data coming in from pilots. So that's why the pilot is still open at the moment because um, we may actually need some more data for the researchers to be able to do their job and, and verify some of the results. Um, and then we've got another pilot with organisations that uh, was scheduled for June, July, but we're probably going to have to push that back a bit now because Right, we're still deep within the results of the first pilot, and we want first to explore mm-hmm. those results a little bit further before we progress. Bryony, last time we spoke, um, the pilot app was only available on Android. Is it still only on Android platforms? Yes. And when do you think? <laughs> yeah. Um, so so you actually, event, it'll eventually be on Apple's uh, iPhone um, platforms as well, but how far away is that, do you think? Uh, it, the, the short answer to that is it depends. So we're actually doing a capital yeah. raise at the moment. So we had built the machine learning algorithms. Um, anyone who's sort of familiar with Android versus iOS will know that um, iOS mm-hmm. in particular can be quite sophisticated and expensive to design yeah. for. Yeah. But we had the machine learning algorithms and we wanted to get it clinically tested so that we could progress things along. And then we've got some evidence yes. behind us going into a capital raise as well to give um, investors some insurance and reassurance as well. So um, the long story short is we need the capital raise to then go back and fill out the iOS version. Yes. So we know that the technology, yeah. it didn't matter if we tested it on Android or iOS, we were testing yeah. the technology components. So Mm-hmm. It didn't matter which platform it was on. The The problem with it only being on Android obviously meant we already restricted our pool of participants in the pilot, yeah. which was something that yeah. we really begrudgingly did, but it was um it was a financial decision at the end of One the day. One of those things, yeah. We had to make. Um, 
So um, if there's any investors out there who would like to come in on this capital raise, please give me a buzz. I was just going to (laughs) say, let's tell the audience about what a capital raise looks like and the information that you want to, like, I'm fascinated. I've never been involved with a capital raise and I dare say it's not been part and parcel of what you've ever done before. So tell us about that process, what it looks like, what you have to go through. You're shaking your head going, oh, my God, it's a nightmare. But anyway. Yeah, it's... You know, it's um, it's a challenge, and I, I've enjoyed the challenge. Um, yeah, particularly when you got a lot of um, financial uncertainty, like there has been with COVID, getting people to part with money yeah. is often difficult. Sale. So people love the product, they love the idea, but it's the um, because what we're doing is revolutionary. We are doing a massive disruption to the space. It is really unique, yeah. and there's nothing else out there. People get really excited about it, but there's yes. This big risk factor also involved with it, um, which is why we've gone through the clinical testing and doing everything else. So that's um, that's been the challenging part. And yeah. I come from a good family, but obviously knowing people who are in a position to invest is a completely different demographic. Different area, isn't it? So yes, having I agree. to expand your network, so you're having to talk to people Um and you're having to go through a lot of application processes as well. And you've got to be yeah. really resilient because you get so much rejection. Many um, knockbacks. Individuals yeah. or, yeah, so um, so there's a lot of work that even goes in before you even start the capital raise. So I'll just I'll go back a couple yes. of steps. <laughs> um, Absolutely. <laughs> we did, we did a, a pre-seed round, which was friends and family, and of the, we did know a couple of investors within that small mm-hmm. friend and family network who did invest for the pre-seed round, which was great. And they're looking to reinvest in this round um, and a couple of them yes. committed on paper and a couple of them were just fine-tuning some of the details. So um, so that was already a good help and we um, tapped on them to say, hey, do you know of anyone else because they're quite well-connected and that sort of opened up some mm. pathways for us, um, made some new connections where we haven't got investment. We've actually developed some really good relationships for other areas of the business and mentoring um yes and then so from there we you got to work out how much you need and one of the Mm -hmm. biggest challenges we found with this investment raise is it highlights any mistakes you made in the first round really harshly (laughs) (laughs) so if the valuation is too high in the first round it actually affects your second round um because yeah so you can actually price yourself out the market really quickly if you set your valuation in your first um, round too high because then all of a sudden you're looking at a, a, an amount that doesn't quite translate to the business in your second round because you have to raise X yeah. amount and then you've got yeah. to work out how much that's going to be per share if that's in the yeah. value. So when we initially did it, our valuation for this second round was too high because we knew that it was probably a bit mm-hmm. too high in the first round. Um, right. So we're now having to try and fix that problem in this round as well to, you know, in case we need to do another round down the track, we don't end up with that problem times two badly evaluated. So that's, and we're not the only startup that falls into that trap. It's really common. (laughs) So I have heard that before. Yeah. So that was, that's, that's one thing you got to do with the capital rates, work out how much you need and Mm -hmm. how much, to give away for it or what you're giving away for it so we're giving away equity and that must Um, be that must be challenging to work out what equity to attach to the investment because this is your baby essentially yeah well it was easier the first round but we got it wrong the first round because we weren't probably as educated about it this round we're more educated about it but obviously we've worked out those mistakes from the first round which has then made it harder to do this round um, mm. And it, it is hard letting go, go of your baby, but it, you know, it's like parenting. You, you sort of you got to yes. do what you got to do to get it to where it needs to be in life. So, mm. yeah, those are the decisions that we're made. And sometimes it's not easy. It's you know, it's hard. And mm-hmm. you hear some real kind of unicorns in the media, like where someone's just come up with an app, and twelve months later, they're making all these millions of dollars, or they've sold it for millions of dollars. Yes. Um, I think if you actually got that person on their own and and, and really drilled down into them and got into an in-depth yeah. conversation, you would then probably hear about the tears and the sleepless nights and 
yeah. the frustrations and the stress and the weight on the shoulders and yeah. how it's affected other aspects of their life. Um, yeah. You know, the, the people that go through this whole experience of startup world and go through it relatively unscathed, I think are, are really, really lucky maybe in a sense. Yeah. Um, but for the yeah. majority of startups that I talk to, we're not alone everything we've felt and gone yeah. through the tears the highs the lows is pretty consistent across startup world yeah. um yeah and, and sometimes there are more i've heard the same brownie <laughs> i've i've heard the same but i too know how passionate you are about the ability of this app in particular to make a difference not just in Australia, but across the world and not just for individuals, but for companies and corporations going forward. Um, I've had a number of um, interviews in the tech field lately and it just fills me with enormous excitement, particularly the AI component and that machine learning and ability to help humanity because, you know, you often start talking about that subject and people can be quite negative and and go down the rabbit hole of, oh, this is bad for humanity, but the capacity for good in AI and uh, integration into human life is immense, isn't it, Bryony? And and that's, that's what it. you're... I mean, humans are curious by nature, so AI is going to happen. It is... It is. People want to deny it deal. Not, it's going to happen. So you can either jump on board and shape the ride mm. or you can stand back and put your faith in other people that they're going to make the right decisions with it. Now... Yeah. Some people are quite comfortable with sitting back and going along for the ride and watching the decisions while other people make the decisions. Um, I'm not one of those yeah. people. I want to yeah. be in the driver's seat. I want to help shape it and control it. And then at least um, if it doesn't go the direction I want it to go in, at least I can say I gave it my best shot of trying to trying to shape yes. how that went. Um, mm. I get a bit frustrated with armchair critics. <laughs> um, yes, I can imagine. You know, put your money where your mouth is. It's, it's easy yeah. to Hindsight is easy. Anyone can look back with hindsight and judge a performance. I do it to myself yeah. all the time. It's part yeah. of personal growth and personal learning. Um, yeah. But, you know, just just give it a go yourself. That's it yeah. doesn't, And it doesn't need to be AI, just other things in life. Put your money where your mouth is. I was just going to say, Brian, we li- we're living in an fascinatingly wonderful time for all the challenges that um, – the earth and humanity is uh, some of the technology that we will see in the next 10 years of our life and that my grandchildren and your children will see, it just excites me. Like we're so close to things like um, flights to the moon, um, the, the whole AI and its capacity. And a fascinating conversation about AI integration into robots and robot um, learning and it just, it really does excite me i think that those people that are at the forefront of developing apps and platforms that integrate ai will be ahead of the rest and as you say brian it's no good sticking your head in the sand and saying oh i don't believe in this is this is bad because that's it's going to happen like you know the number of conversations i've had with people recently about ai and in the area of ai it, it's already happening and, and you guys are absolute proof of that. So Frank is at the clinical trial first pilot stage. Towards the end of the year, it will then go into the second pilot stage, but you've got to get through the next round of um, capital raising. Is that the we, process, Brian? We actually hope that we're going, well, we're planning on being in the market. Um, it was September, but that's probably actually going to be closer to the end of the year now. Um, yeah. So yeah. Capital raise will make the big difference there on our timeline. Um, the yeah. second pilot, we're actually looking at doing first quarter of next financial year. Um, but, yeah, yeah, the capital raise is really You can good. go to market. You can actually go to market with the, the clinical trials and um, the first pilot anyway. That's my correct understanding, Bryony? Yeah, yeah. So the, we're already um, got a couple of pilot um, organisations on board who are our foundation first oh. lot of foundation customers, essentially, which is pretty exciting. We're pretty yeah. excited to work with them. 
Um, yes. I mean, when we go to organisation pilot, it's, it's to see at a greater scale the, the measurable difference yes. that Frank will make and, and if it's got um, yeah. help basically make it usable for organisations and, and positively impact on individuals. So, but the, the actual machine learning algorithms would have already been tested before that, which is what this first phase pilot was about. Yeah. So for the participants that were in our first phase pilot, Frank looked quite different mm-hmm. because he needed to test the algorithm. So it wasn't yeah. even the products that we had in mind for the market release. It was a, mm-hmm. there was a lot of surveys and stuff like that, but that's because we needed to test the algorithms. The yes. surveys, yeah. they'll come out for the end products. They were never going to, to stay in there. Yeah, Um, Yeah. but you needed to do rigorous training at that point to check that you had it right. Yeah, yeah. So it was a big ask of our participants to um, see it. Yeah. It was really, like I said, I'm not a survey person. We knew it was going to be um, really taxing for them and credit to our participants because most of them got a lot further through the process than what we expected and quite a few made it all the way through to the end, um, which was Mm -hmm. fantastic. So, And we did get some great data out of it. Um, it's just yeah. way up if we need a bit more um, to get some yeah. more fine detailed results on some of the areas that we're a bit vague on at the moment. Yeah. Bronnie, are you at liberty to talk um, in an overall sense about those pilot organisations and, and what they'll be going through um, in that next phase? Yeah, absolutely. Without so, mentioning their names? <laughs> yeah, I can mention a couple of them. So Police Health, Police which Health? is a um, members-only oh private health insurer um they're yes. Australian-wide. so they've also got um another fund called emergency services health um which is another yes. private fund which is um not for profit as well members only fund um they come on board for our uh, our first pilot one of our organizations so we have really early conversations mm-hmm. with them right from the get-go and they've been supportive the whole way through um yeah another one of the other organisations that hasn't signed on the dotted line just yet but have supported yeah. us the whole way through and done a lot of co-design with us already is Scotch College, which is uh-huh. a, um, yes. a a premier private school here in South Australia. And then the other one that um, we've been working with is the Department, the South Australian Government Department, Department of Treasury and Finance. Um, oh, and been wow. Well, so we're, we're really stoked with the those three organisations. We do have a couple of others that we're talking with, but we're a lot earlier in the process. Um, and Gallagher mm-hmm. Bassett, which is a global um, third-party claims administrator, the Australian contingent of that organisation are being really supportive of us and they're using Frank as a bit of a value-add to their product of sweets as well. So they've been advocating for us. So... Oh. Very cool. I'm really excited with, with where we're going with it um, and and having those organisations along for the ride too. So if there's any other organisations out there that would like to um, sign up to Frank because it is a co-design process, we want Frank yes. to be useful. Um, yes. So all those organisations are basically signing up to help design Frank. So And as you can tell, they're all yeah. from different industries and areas. So... This is an opportunity yes. to pioneer a new HR tool, essentially. Um, yes. yes. That's, that's what it is for organisations. And um, be be the leader in your industry, essentially, and um, be a promoter mm-hmm. for employee wellbeing. And there's so many benefits for organisations coming out of that, That's which is really well-researched. Well yes. You get better employee loyalty, you get improved productivity and performance as a four-to-one return on investment for um, mental wellbeing programs introduced by organisations. That's that really implemented. Cool. So, um, yeah, if you're interested and if you think it's a benefit to your organisation, please um, contact us on the details that Tony's got on the, all the links. So Absolutely. Start discussing it. Absolutely. Set the standard. <laughs> I was just going to say, Bryony, most of the organisations that you talked about are Australian-based, but they don't have to be Australian-based, do they? You're looking for worldwide support already? Yeah, we so we do have plans to roll out um, globally. So initially we do want yeah. to uh, target English, not necessarily where mm-hmm. English is the um, national language, but English is a, a primary language, um, countries. Yeah. 
uh, obviously because we haven't developed this for other languages yet. <laughs> but so, you'll get there. Like it, you'll get that's there. just a, that's that's, a time thing. That's further down the line. So, but initially it's for yes. um, English-speaking countries. So it, it look it would be good if you do have a part of it that's in Australia, um, but if you don't, mm. we can work around it. We do want to globalise, so we certainly would not be turning away uh, an organisation from another country at this at this point in time because that's that's our plan. That would be opportunity knocking for us. It would be silly to turn that down. Yes. And you, it, it's not just health-based organisations. It's any large corporation who wants to improve the mental health of their employees can be involved in this process. That's right, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Just improving organisational performance um, and gaining that competitive yeah. advantage. So, and the the way we help organisations do that is through improved mental employee mental wellbeing. So. Um, yeah. you know, the, the idea with the organisational dashboard is let's let's take the example that everybody's familiar with, COVID, again, let's talk yes. about that. So when COVID first happened, we know that it impacted organisations, all right? So you wouldn't need Frank to know that that had a really negative impact for a lot of organisations. Yeah. But what you might have used Frank for is to measure everything that you implemented to counterbalance and see if it worked so your flexible work arrangements so flexible work arrangements we know are fantastic for supporting employee well-being but they need to be properly implemented so not working from home is not great for everybody there's and there's that's right people that yeah Yeah. people are more prone to do longer hours if they're working from home because they feel they've got to make up for it and prove that they're doing the work. So burnouts actually are higher mm. for people working from home. So social okay. isolation is another huge factor as well. Yes. And yes. Um, obviously uh, in Australia we do have an issue with domestic violence and you're leaving people vulnerable yes. to domestic violence incidents at home. They're not getting that respite that they would get if they were going to work. And there is liability on the employer because even though you're working from home, the employer still has to ensure that you have a working environment. So how do you as an organisation best protect yourself in a scenario Mm. like that? We've got an employee who's being subjected to domestic abuse or domestic violence and there's an increased increased risk for injury because they're now working from home. So how how do you manage that? How do you handle that? How do you measure the impact Mm. of all of that and address yeah. your liability as an organisation with all of those factors. So that's that's the problem. And Frank will help with that. Exactly. That's what we Frank, want yeah. Frank to do is to help those organisations yeah. take an example like that and really, you know, if they can, if they can improve the employee wellbeing and manage those situations, Think of the impact yes. that's going to have on your performance and your bottom line. Oh. You're not going to have people going off on sick leave. You're not going to have to pay workers' compensation. Um, yeah. They're going to be more engaged. They're not going to burn out, hopefully. You know, it's, it's about taking that information that Frank gives you and making mm. your policies or, you know, you don't necessarily have to change them, but you can at least work out whether or not they're working and tweak them and then you don't yeah. end up, with these other results so you know the idea is to have that early implementation and you've got that information there to act on it so we really want to empower those organizations with making those decisions yeah 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 i just i see so much potential and every time i talk to you brian i get really excited for what the future holds um for frank I want to just quickly go back, though, to the next um, capital raise and I want to want you to talk through the sort of investment partners that you're looking for and how they can connect with you to have a chat about that. Absolutely. So um, I think you've got the links up. Um, otherwise, you can go I to do. our website. Yep. Um, our website will have a, a link on there as well um, or you can email me directly. Uh the type of investors we're looking for, we would prefer people that actually share our vision. <laughs> it's, we yeah. know that we've got a great yeah. business that's going to be profitable, but we would actually, um, and and to be honest, it's a capital raise and we're a startup, so uh, we're probably yes. not cheap, but, <laughs> but 
um, the the ideal investor for us is someone who shares the vision, someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and and obviously, we know that different investors are going to have different capacities. So we're going to have investors that have got the capacity to be more hands on and help guide us through, and maybe bridge some mm-hmm. of that gaps of knowledge that we have as a team. And that's mm-hmm. terrific. We we absolutely encourage that, and we're coachable, and we're ready for you, and we want you. We know that we're going to get investors who want to put their money in, know when they're going to get and their money. And just let you go. And let us mm-hmm. go. And that's that's fine as well. You're still very, very crucial in helping us reach our vision and our goal. So yeah. um, essentially we're open to to all different types of investors. Um, we're applying for a couple of different um, uh, venture capitalist funds as well and we're also yeah. looking to do some grant funding that's available as well. So um, and then we're trying to draw some early revenue in too. So the uh-huh. the minimum uh-huh. investment is forty thousand, um, yep. and you do get equity for that. So um, yeah, just best is to be transparent and open about that. That's because yes. we're trying to make yes. this a simple investment round. So for the funds that we're trying to yep. raise, we're, we're essentially through um, grants, early revenue, and um, equity investment, we're looking to raise eight hundred thousand Australian. And which yes. is not a huge amount of money for a tech company, especially no, it's so because of the amount that we're raising and the to keep it as a simple investment round and to comply with ASIC, we can't go over yep. twenty investors, which is why we have that minimum of forty thousand okay. dollars. Uh we also I was gonna have- ask you how you come up with those those um so Thank you for answering that was my next question. Some very strict rules and guidelines around investment rounds. So mm-hmm. that's that's why we have a minimum um, because otherwise we might end up with more than 20 investors and then it becomes a complicated round and then there's other um, things that we have to comply with through ASIC um, to, to achieve that, which is more complicated, yeah. it draws up more time, more resources and yes. Um, for the type of round that we're doing, we don't we don't need to go into that. So we just wanted to keep it simple because it's not a huge amount of money mm-hmm. that we're to raise. Yeah. That'll get us to market as well. That gets that gets Frank into the market oh. and starting good in the community and helping organisations. So that's past the first pilot, past the second pilot, plus past all the clinical results and testing and out to market, end of development, iOS version, everything, we're out there, we're in the Australian market and maybe the global market already too if there's organisations out there globally that want to sign on. Um, So that's that's where it's going to get us. We've we've got the information memorandum available and a data room. That's all set, ready to Mm go. Um, Yes. Got some referrals in there. We've got financial plans. Um, Everything's in more detail. So please drop us a line and I will invite you into that room so you can have a look through. That's seriously exciting, and I'm just thinking forty thousand is not a lot of money to invest in something that is so exciting to be part of. Um, and thankfully, you've answered that question about how you decide what money you attach to what investors. So, can one investor um, invest eighty thousand, one hundred and twenty thousand versus forty thousand? And being relatively new in trying to understand what capital raising looks like and how it works how long before so they get their money back but is there a time on that or they get an equity share like how how do you decide those things yeah so they'll get an equity share so they can go up to any amount that they want the maximum that we're raising is Mm -hmm. eight hundred thousand. so if somebody's um, and we do have a couple of people that have already gone in so um two of them well sorry one of them we're Final, no, two of them, sorry, we're finalising the amount on one of them's already committed. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So that that amount, if someone said I'll give you 800000 be like, oh, we'll take a little less because we've already got <laughs> yes. already got some investment secured, um, So, which is fantastic. So anyone can, like, if, if someone wanted to come in and offer 300000 400000 yeah, great, terrific, and it's so much simpler for me because that's less people I have to then um, manage along the way as well. And then um, so for that you get uh, equity, so we've got shares, we'll issue shares Mm -hmm. at the end of the investment Mm -hmm. round. 
As far as getting money back goes, um, there's a couple of different exit strategies, but we feel yes. that in the long term, the payout yes. on the dividend is going to be more worth it. the investor than taking their money out. Having said that, yeah. um, you know, this is the missing component out of the health centres yes. on like that Android has and that iOS has. So, I mean, Google bought up um, Fitbit to fit into their health centre and if you look at I'm, mm. I'm on iOS myself and there's yes. really nothing in relation to mood on my health centre. It does everything else. It, it tracks my period. It tracks my blood oxygen levels because yes. I've got my, my wearable. Um, it tracks my steps. It tracks my heart rate. It tracks everything else, but it doesn't have the right, mood. So we actually see that at, at some point, and we believe that this is as much as this is going to sound hugely ambitious, we actually think it's incredibly plausible when you look at what's missing in that health centre is that Definitely. a, a company like Apple or Google will probably we'll take on Frank. Yeah. yeah. So that's, um, that's one exit. Yeah. Um, and, Bryony, you don't have to be, you can be a mum and dad investor, can't you? You don't have to, you know, be uh, a high flyer, I guess you could say. You could just be a mum and dad investor that goes, wow, I just heard Bryony speak on the potential of this um, app for the health of our future. Um, they can invest just as well as someone else can, can't they? Absolutely. It, look, we, you know, if you're a mum and dad and you've got, the 40k um to, to spare yeah. and i will say to spare because it is an investment and any investment does come with a degree of risk and anyone who's looking mm -hmm. at investing i strongly 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 recommend that you get your own independent legal advice as Pendant. much as we have all our documents drafted by a legal professional please yes. go get your own independent advice to make sure it's the right investment for you as well so not just that mm -hmm. it's a safe investment that it's the right investment and all yeah. that information that we have available in the data room and on the information memorandum will help you then decide if that's the right investment for you. But please, <coughs> if you do think that this is something you want to invest in, please, please, please let me know. Um, get in contact yes. with me. I can give you the information. Then please go get your independent advice and make your decision from there. But I'm happy. Yeah. And I don't want to take money from someone that can't, that it's not the right investment. Uh, I mean, I've got yes. a really strong moral compass. So if it's someone who I can see is living yeah. on the, the bones of their ass, uh, I, I really wouldn't feel, as much as this is going to succeed and I know I'm going to get a return on your yes. investment for you, I I just couldn't conscience do it to someone because there is always that risk factor. And I'm, I've got to say I'm heavily invested yeah. in this organisation myself. It's yeah. blood, sweat and tears and cash, cold, cold hard yeah. cash is gone into it. Um, yes. But it's my company, so I feel more comfortable taking that risk for me. Um, so I just, yeah. yeah, like any any investment, just please get your advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably yeah. doing myself um, a disservice by saying that, but I just, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> that's why we love you so much, Bryony, because I know that that I, I know the process from the inception of the idea and when where the idea came from and just to go back briefly to that it was your 15 years in police services and the trauma that you were trying to work through that spurred this idea in the first place of wanting to make it easier for people to look after their mental health proactively versus reactively and after the trauma's done um, and it was your belief that you could create something that would circumvent PTSD, for, for instance. That's that's your hope, isn't it? That Frank will help pick up cues and mood that may prevent someone developing full-on PTSD because no one wants to suffer PTSD. So in terms of... Policing and uh, nursing and doctor related, and I'm thinking of the um, armed forces, all the armed forces. The potential for this app to be helpful in those circumstances is immense, isn't it? And I know it will. I, I know it will with every fibre of my being. I know that we're going to make that difference. Yeah. We're just making sure that we've got the evidence to prove it as well. Yeah, yeah. 
And I'm really excited that you've gone down the route of doing those clinical trials already so that you've got that data to say, well, no, we actually know how this works. We know what, you know, we know the why, we know the how, and here's the results. You have provable results that this has a positive impact in um, impact on people's lives and indeed will hopefully lead to saving lives because if the AI can pick up on moods that prevent um, horrible outcomes such as, as suicide, what a wonderful world to live in. Yeah, and I think um, it's, it is really ambitious what we set out on, but if we achieve that, yeah. um I think I'll be one of the really rare people in the world that can say I've made a difference, you know. Without a doubt. My life life made a difference, a a positive impact, and that's a pretty special thing to be able to say. And I think I believe that this will do that. So that's exciting. Bryony, it's the only app of its kind in the world at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. There's... um, some apps around that maybe look a little bit similar on face value, but mm-hmm. then when you go into it a bit further, I've found them to be actually then, extremely different. Um, yes. We keep looking for competitors all the time. A lot of the time yes. when we don't find a competitors, we actually find collaborators um, or uh-huh. a value add yes. that we can work together. Yes. Um, but, yeah, we haven't found anyone that's doing anything like this, um, at least. Which in- makes it an in- incredible opportunity you know it's like the people that look back and think oh gosh I wish I'd been friends with the Microsoft guys or gosh I wish wish I'd you know uh believed Mark Zuckerberg when he talked about this social like it's that moment that you can think of Frank as and I tell you what I'll be pretty I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines going Go, Bryony, go, Frank app. So um, in closing, before we run out of time, (laughs) uh, look, I am one of the strongest advocates, particularly for women working in the technical realm because, um, as Bryony can probably attest to, it's just a little bit more difficult for people to take you seriously as a woman in tech because traditionally we think that tech is all about the boys and the development is all about the boys. But here's Bryony turning that idea on its head and really creating something that will have worldwide impact. And it's from Australia and I I'm really, truly excited for you. Um, Now, listen, before we run out of time, it's frankapp.ai. So frankapp.ai, perfectly simple, F-R-A-N-K-A-P-P.ai. And if you want to get hold of Bryony, it's just hello at frankapp.ai. Bryony is very upfront about anything that you want to ask or know about the app. I'm willing to share quite openly about the process. And, of course, if you're willing to invest in this app, just jump on a call with Bryony. Um, is there a closure time in this investment round, Bryony? Yes. So we've actually got a uh, close date of the 30th of June at the moment. So you've got just over a month. Okay. Um, but yep. like our data room ready to go so you can – if you contact yes. us with a conversation, I can um, send you through all the inf- or the link to all the information and then you just need to get yeah. someone to review it from your end independently from us um, and then it's yeah. an easy process from there. Fantastic. I'm just, I'm so excited about what you've been able to, ch- to achieve in the last little while uh, and knowing um, what it's like to be a new mum and I think the first time that we spoke to you, Bubba, was Oh, the first time we spoke, Bubba was like tiny, tiny. And then the first time, the next time we spoke on the radio, he was little. And uh, so that's quite an immense amount of work, uh, blood, sweat and tears that have gone into the Frank app so far. So I amazing what women can do when they're passionately engaged in something that they believe will change the world, as I believe that the Frank app will do. Um, Bryony, anything else you'd like to say to the audience in closing today? 
Uh, Look, just a shout-out to all the mums who work out there. I always think it's going to be hard, but to all the women that paved the way before, oh, my goodness, and especially women who have got more than one, I don't know how you do it. Like, oh, it's... It's tough. It's yes. tough. So uh, I wish yes. them all uh, sleep and strong coffee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I, um, um, I recently had conversations with mums of newborns and I'm like, oh, my God, I can just, like, it's been 32 years since I had a newborn. But that first six weeks, that first six months with lack of sleep, I don't remember what that uh, I, I don't remember, but I remember the brain fog. <laughs> <laughs> and um and, and just in closing in relation to frank look um please give us a go and if you are on android and would like to just help us out with a bit more data please jump onto the website yeah. the pilot are there um if you got any questions please just just reach out if you're skeptic reach out um we don't yes. mind skeptics. Skeptics actually help us grow because sometimes you identify issues that we haven't thought of. An yet. issue that you haven't thought of. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. I was going to say for all those tech heads out there, jump on and chat to Bryony. Anyone with an Android, jump on and chat to Bryony. The more data she and the team have, the better the product will be, and it's already outstanding product. And if you don't know someone, if you can't yourself or you know of someone, please um, feel free to do the introduction as well. We're we're open, we're coachable, we're looking to grow yes. this. So just get in touch. Bryony, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Tony Everyday Business again. Uh, it's a divine pleasure and I know that I'll be interviewing you you again probably towards the end of the year because that'll be pretty darn exciting when you get to that point and just a reminder those on the audience are listening today this is an opportunity of a lifetime to invest in a tech startup that has a global impact and once you get to talk to Bryony and understand her passion behind the development of Frank app you will be sold and that, my wonderful audience, is our lot for this week. Bryony, thank you so much. Um, wishing you all the best and hoping that uh, you get some sleep as well soon. <laughs> thank you, Tony. Thank you so much for having me on again. It, it absolutely means the world and it's a tremendous opportunity and I love talking to you, so thank you. Well, I love talking to you. It just, it, I, I, as you know, I love the tech stuff. I'm not a real tech person, but I just, it fills me with just, awesomeness um that my friends is our lot for this week this is tony londis your host of radio tony and everyday business we'll be back next week with another show thanks brownie bye for now